0: Jurassic Views, Ottawa's Raptors podcast, Bryce Diamond Monday morning, dark gray, a little bit of sunshine from time to time. I mean, it's November. What do you expect? You know, there's songs about November. Uh, Usually they're not overly uplifting, but, uh, you know, I guess the sky isn't falling either, even though it's gray and the sun comes down a lot earlier than back even in September. Uh, the sky is definitely not falling. And you know what? The sky is not falling on the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors last night were in Cleveland. Uh, this, this schedule is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the weak This has been a very difficult schedule. A lot of competitive games, a lot of games against top-tier Eastern Conference teams, whether kind of perennial powerhouses or teams who have shot out of the gates quickly. And the Raptors find themselves in Cleveland with an 8-8 record going into the game. Cleveland as well, 8-8, a team who won... 50-plus games last year, a team who flamed out in the first round to the New York Knicks, a team who uh, has Evan Mobley, who is often paired, um, tethered to the career of Scotty Barnes because they were drafted in the same draft. Uh, They were um, guys who were drafted in, in in the top five, top four together. And a lot of people had Mobley a lot higher than Scotty Barnes. And, and some, certainly in Cleveland, but, but definitely some folks outside of Cleveland, felt like Evan Mobley was the rookie of the year. Unfortunately, Cleveland did not make the playoffs. Uh, their record was four or five games below the Raptors. And, and Scotty Barnes, I think, just did more things than Evan Mobley that year. Evan Mobley was not the Tim Duncan that everyone thought he was. And you know what? I don't think he's the Tim Duncan that everyone hopes that he'll be still. Um, it's not to say that he's not a good player. It's not to say that Scotty Barnes is that much further along. Um, but he, he's not, you know, uh, a five-time champ on his way to being a five-time champ. Either nor is he like a league MVP um, or even like the best guy in 2021. I heard a podcast recently that redrafted the 2021 uh, draft, and Scotty Barnes was right at the top, if not everybody's number one from that draft. And this is not, these are not people who are based out of Toronto. These are not people who are following the Raptors primarily. These are, are folks from the States who are just looking at what's going on in, in the league, and you know they like talking about basketball. And before Thanksgiving, uh, they want to to kind of talk about younger players and you know have a more broader approach uh, to the league. And, and Scotty Barnes was on a lot of people's uh, you know number one uh, pick if if the redraft happened. Um, very niche NBA talk to have redrafts. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we go into this game 8-8, eight eight, just like Cleveland. Uh, both teams with, with some expectations and ambitions, but I think it's safe to say that Cleveland, uh, their expectations are higher. Their, their belief is that um, they can be a, a better team, that they have a, a brighter season ahead of them and maybe a brighter future ahead of them as well. The Toronto Raptors got down early. In this one, um, Cleveland got up five, six points. Raps clawed their way back in. And then their defense just clamped down first on Donovan Mitchell. And then really the entire Cleveland team uh, no longer was Jared Allen just getting dunk after dunk like he did in the first six minutes. And the Toronto Raptors uh, took a lead not only after the first quarter, uh, but they took – a 10-point lead going in to halftime, 52-42. Now, you didn't expect them to have the same results in the second half. Cleveland's at home. Cleveland has Donovan Mitchell, Garland, Mobley, Allen. They have a really good starting lineup. But you felt like the matchups are there for Toronto to, to neutralize guys. And with O'Gen and Obi, who has been, uh, uh, you know, the Reuben Patterson of <laughs> the, the true stopper <laughs> of Donovan Mitchell over the, over the past four or five seasons, you felt like they were in a good position up 10 to, you know, get momentum in that second half and, and really control the second half. Unfortunately, things didn't happen that way. It wasn't necessarily a case of bad defense. Cleveland was going to come out at some point where the first or second, sorry, the third or the fourth quarter, they were going were gonna to come out strong. And they did score 32 points in that quarter. Their shooting was decent, but it didn't come from Donovan Mitchell. It wasn't Mobley who was getting them going in that third quarter. Um, it was uh you know a tertiary player uh kind of a third or fourth option uh for them former Miami Heat guard Max Struess started hitting buckets in that third quarter and really turned the game around offensively for them got the floor stretched a little bit more made it easier for Garland to get into the lane uh, and then either dish from there or get his own bucket. Um, and then the bench for the Raps struggled. Gary Trent Jr. had had a decent first half. Uh, you know, they Scotty wasn't great. Pascal wasn't dominant. But they were getting different guys' good looks. And Gary was part of their success in the first half. Unfortunately, he hit a total wall. In the second half, he had 13 points uh, going into the second half, and he never scored in the second half. He, he was turning over a bit. Um, he he was one of seven from downtown, and that was a key part of this game. Uh, Pertle was getting his; he was there, but uh, the 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 wraps kind of slowed down and weren't getting. Crisp looks on on the half-court end with their starters. And their bench just fell apart. Otto Porter Jr. only played five minutes in this game. Precious Achua is one for four from the field, one for four from the free throw line. And Malachi Flynn never got going. The best they had was Otto Porter Jr. a minus four in the plus-minus category. He only played five minutes, remember. Um at worst, Precious Achua was a minus 15. On the other side, Scotty Barnes uh, had played with that lineup. Um, he was, uh, you know, with four bench guys for a couple stints in the ball game. Um, I think four minutes in the first half and, and three minutes in the second half. He was a minus 20. That's tough. And and was, these games are going to happen. Um, as I... As I said in the chat box of the rap cast last night, which I'm trying to do after games, get on uh, the rap cast uh, chat room, uh, just to see what guys are saying, you know, and I appreciate Samson and, and Trey. Samson was going solo last night, but I appreciate those guys and, and their thoughts. Um, and yeah, that, you know, that's one thing I said in the, in the chat was Scotty Barnes is, is, being given the keys to play that Kyle Lowry type role where it's him and the bench unit, you know, Pascal Siakam did a lot of that last year um, and really burned out the motor because of that. Um, luckily we're playing depth and and Scotty is only playing 33, 34 minutes a game. But, you know, when he goes into those all bench lineups, he really struggles and he needs somebody else. Unfortunately, Schroeder got into foul trouble. That would have helped, I think, the rotations. But when you go, when you get, you know, Malachi one for six from the floor, again, Precious one of four from the floor plus one of four from the free throw line, and Gary goes one of seven. You're not getting a lot of help if you're Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes himself is five of fourteen from the field, one of four from from downtown. I think. His three-point shooting is coming back into a place of reality, under 40%, um, where he was shooting really well before. Um, you know, he only turned over the ball a couple times and had eight rebounds. So it, wasn't a, it wasn't a terrible game from, from Barnes, but Scotty was asked to do a lot by, by Darko and, and the coaching staff in this game, and they just couldn't find anything. Um, you know, the game was very close down the stretch. The Raps had got down 12. They just kind of the wheels came off at in the end of the third, start of the fourth. They had been up 67, 61, and then Cleveland goes on like a 25 to 10 run over the course of six or seven minutes, end of the third, start of the fourth, and and they get themselves down 12. Now they again clawed their way back in, as this team does. Um, It is their calling card to be scrappy, to uh, work their tails off, to to stay positive and stay together. And, and of course, that's Darko's calling card as well. Um, And they were able to get this game within a couple possessions. Uh, It was 93-88, and Gary missed a a big three uh, with about five minutes to go. That would have got him within two. That could have been huge. Uh, Gary missed another one in the fourth that that would have been big that would have tied the game but again still hanging around they got down four with about 40 seconds to go and then Dennis Schroeder could have been 30 seconds to go and then Dennis Schroeder drilled a corner three uh, with just 10 11 seconds left on uh the the game clock and you know again he didn't shoot the ball exceptionally well, but he was on the bench a lot. He was 5'11 from the field, was two for five from downtown. I mean, that's 40%. He was perfect three for three from the line. Only had one turnover, but just four assists as as guys just couldn't find that range last night. But that three got them down, as I said, 103, 102. I mean, you're right there. And it was interesting to be in the chat room yesterday, and, and people are very reactionary, as we know, um, anything online where people's faces are not shown, um, you know, where you can have a handle that is not your real name, uh, your your government name, as people say. Um, anytime that happens, you get this, you know, great reactions, a sensationalized kind of thing, hot takes all over the place. And, and really a lot of negativity can come out of that too. And I think what's, what's disappointing is you know squeaky squeaky wheel gets the grease so often in life and even in the chat rooms when people are are leading uh you know a, a community kind of setting online whether it's twitter or uh whether it's youtube or instagram so often the people who you know are making the most noise People who are saying the most comments, the people who are giving the greatest hot, the biggest shouldn't say the greatest, the biggest hot takes, they get heard and and they get addressed, which is really unfortunate because when you're on the road, after coming back from the road, going to Toronto for one game and then you know back on the road to Cleveland two days later, and you're down one. To a team that won over 50 games last year, who played quite well at home, who's healthy right now, um, who's got some good things going, who has had consistency, who have had continuity, not just with the lineup, but with their coaching, um, where people are excited about this team and not overly critical because... This version of this team didn't win a championship, hasn't made a deep playoff run, and they're and they're almost just happy to be fans of this team because they are playing well. And, and kudos to Cleveland as a franchise, as a city, as a group of guys um, playing for the Cavs. You know, it's it's good stuff. But the Raptors held a perennial all-star, like a, a big time. All-NBA level guy in Donovan Mitchell to under 20 points in his own arena. You know, OG did a fantastic job. They were with this team till the end. They hit two free throws and we had a chance to tie it with about, you know, seven, eight seconds to go in this game. Unfortunately, Gary Trent Jr. stepped out of bounds, which does happen when you're trying to pull a three. It It was a bit of a complicated play to get him open in the corner at the end. It was asking a lot of them, but you know, they they're trying to call plays where there's some misdirection, you know. You saw it last week we were only down one to Indiana and there's like 25 30 seconds to go and we get a Scotty at a high post. Well, when you're down 3 and there's less than 10 seconds to go, everyone knows that you're going for a three unless there's something that opens up wide open and you can just snap that pass inside and you know there's six seconds to go and you can still foul or go for a steal even and then foul um you know you have to go for a three like you are launching and when when Schroeder was well covered when OG can't create his shot as well as as Gary um when Pascal is just not shooting the three ball well, he was 0 of 4. I think he's like 3 of 20. He's, he's shooting somewhere around 25% for the season. You know, it puts a lot of pressure on Gary to have to make that shot. But all, what I want to say is this team was not that far from this game. And when you look at the free throw shooting, we were 20 of 29. And OG Ananobi was one of three. That's uncharacteristic. Precious Achua was one of four. Like under 50% Precious. Um, If those two guys just hit a free throw each, then when Dennis Schroeder catches that ball in the corner with 15 seconds to go and he pulls the trigger and hits the three to get it within one, instead – that possession could have been trying to tie the game with a two, right? Or if Pascal is able to hit a three or Gary was able to hit a three earlier, maybe it's a tie game 15 seconds to go, our ball, and now we're going for the win, last shot, we're going to, you know, kill the clock. What I'm trying to say is we were not that far away. And sometimes at the end of a game... The result is an L, and it's wins and losses. That's what carries you to the playoffs. That's what carries you in the playoffs. That's what everything is judged on, wins and losses. But the margins of of what becomes a win or not a win, the margins are so narrow, especially in a game like that where we match up quite well with a team. We've had a lot of his, uh, history with with that, even that particular roster in the last three seasons where it's been really competitive. Like we, I think we're five and two against Cleveland when JJ Bickerstaff has coached them. Um, we were three and one, I want to say last year against them when they had Donovan Mitchell in one fifty 50 plus games. Like, The Raptors have played quite well, but when they're at home and the Raptors have played two games on the road, Orlando, Indiana, switching time zones, then go back home, switch time zones again, because I believe Indiana's on central time, and then you come back on the road. I mean, that's a lot of travel in a short period of time. And so when the margins are that small, yeah, a miss here, a miss there, poor free throw shooting. It's going to come back to haunt you. Even on the telecast, the Cleveland announcers were saying this is anybody's ball game, but those Raptors, the Raptors' free throw shooting is really coming back to bite them. And I thought that was a really good comment from an objective opinion looking at the Raptors. When you're on the road, and you go 20 of 29 from the free throw line. You have a guy who who shoots near 80% in Ojan and Obi. You have a guy who definitely shoots over 50%. I think he's, you know, in the mid to high 60s and Precious Achua from the free throw line. For those guys to go, a combined two of seven is really poor. Like again, four for seven is not that great. But if they went a combined four for seven again, now Dennis Schroeder, his three gets us up one. If Pascal Siakam and Gary Trent Jr., two of our best players, if they don't go one for 11 from behind the arc, but they go four for 11 from the behind the arc, still under 40%. I mean, it's not like it's a great game. You know, you could, you know, I sorry, they're one for 11 from behind the arc. So if they go four for eleven that's nine more points you know Gary hits two he's three for seven I mean again that's nothing spectacular it's like 42 percent Pascal hits one he's one of four I mean that's on brand for his season it's on his averages for what he's doing from three point land this year but that's that's it and all of a sudden now with that shooting now it's not just a tie game because he got a couple extra free throws no 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 now you're up nine points. You know, now, okay, maybe, maybe you're up six points because you only hit three out of 11 instead of one out of 11. But you see what I mean? Like, it's not that big. We can be so critical of their offensive process, as I hear so much from, from people uh, around the league, but especially the Toronto podcasters and, and reporters. The offensive process is so bad. You know, oh, they were sloppy defensively. Oh, Chris Boucher was god-awful last night. Pascal Siakam's not himself. We should trade him. Uh, When you get into that reactionary thing, when you get overly critical, when you're constantly having to answer the negative hot takes or the negative criticism from your your fan base, from your listenership, from your supporters, all of a sudden – you begin to believe or you get stuck in in analyzing negative viewpoints instead of saying actually this game was very much uh you know winnable this game was was very much in the the realm of uh us winning with some comfort now i'm not saying you couldn't do the same thing with cleveland if donovan mitchell hits his season averages You know, they're up four or five possessions, sure. But on the road, having been traveling all over the place, having played Cleveland now the last three seasons and losing the first game in Cleveland, this now three straight years, it's it's not really a surprise to me that we lose this game. It's, It's not that disappointing. We're still working out things. We again, we didn't shoot the ball particularly well. We have these games where where we shoot well, we have games we don't shoot well. And when they have two bigs, as we've talked about, when we've gone up against Philly, when we went up even against DeAndre Ayton in Portland, um, sometimes we get ourselves into some some difficult scenarios where we're being stretched, we're being pushed out into the perimeter. And they are daring us, that has come up quite a bit. They are daring us to shoot the three. And you gotta make. And it's not just on Pascal, who's 0 for 4, although he should have been at least 1 for 4, in my opinion. It's on Gary Trent Jr., who was one for seven. He's supposed to be our second best three-point shooter. He's gotta knock more down. Um and you can get on, you know, Darko all you want, but when Dennis Schroeder is in foul trouble and only plays 29 minutes and you have to play, you know, more of Chris Boucher or Malachi Flynn because of that, yeah, you're going to drop some games like this. The Raptors have lost nine games. We are five and eight in the conference. Five and eight in the conference. It's not pretty at all. But guess who we've lost to? Boston Twice. Milwaukee once, Philadelphia twice, that's five losses, and the second best team in the Eastern Conference right now, the Orlando Magic, who are just hot. They beat a lot of good teams. That's six of our eight losses in the Eastern Conference. That's six of our nine losses overall. Without those Eastern Conference losses against the top four teams in the East, four of the top seven teams in the league right now, we're eight and three. Eight and three is very respectable. And, and I've said this already. I'll, I'll probably say this till the end of the season. Maybe not. Maybe until at least the new year. I'll say it till Christmas. We lost the Chicago Bulls. We should have beat them. They're five and 13. We just controlled them and won 121-108 in our building. We threw away like a historically bad game where where we were up 17 with five minutes to go. You win that game in the Portland game, which was very much in our grasps. And we played three times, four times as bad as we did against Cleveland last night. If we win just those two games – Forget about all the losses and how tough our schedule has been because we played the top four teams in the Eastern Conference uh, seven times and lost six of them. If we just win the Chicago game and the Portland game, two games we should have won, we're ten and seven. Ten and seven makes us tied for six with Miami. So I mean, like, and what are we saying? We're saying, okay, we can get better, and we're actually not that far away from. Indiana, who's in fifth at nine and six. And we're actually not that far away against Orlando, who have been having a ridiculous start to the season and will probably come down a little bit, although might make the playoffs without going to the play-in. Who knows? They're well coached with depth and enthusiasm and something to prove. Good for them. But it's not that far away, guys. (laughs) It's not that far. We don't have to think the sky is falling. We don't have to be overly critical. We don't have to try to like outsmart folks in chat rooms and outsmart other podcasters. We don't got to do that. We got to understand that our team is probably around a 500 team with a little bit of luck, could win 45, 46 games. And remember, we have a new coach with a very young team, I mean, this is going to be like, you know, that broken record player that gets played for me until the new year, because we're not that far away. We really aren't. Gary's going to be better and not just like never have a bad game like this. I mean, like everything's going to be elevated to the point that, oh, a, a, a two for six or, or a three for nine game is going to be a bad Gary game. And we're gonna be like, shit. We we won this game and Gary didn't play well. You know, we won this game and and Schroeder was in foul trouble because we just we got two or three extra buckets and and snuck it out like we did against Indiana, right? If we had played Indiana in the first five games, we would have lost that game because we wouldn't have been able to sneak it out. We snuck it out. So yeah, it sucks. I hate losing. Don't get me wrong. I'm a competitor. When I get on the soccer pitch, uh, you know, in pickup, I want to lose. This summer, uh, uh, myself and another guy in his forties, uh, a guy uh, from the Gatno side, Eve got a lot of respect for him. He's got two kids. We talk about our kids all the time. Um, him and I were undefeated. Our the team that we were playing on. There's there's usually two games happening, four different teams. You kind of get to pick each week who your team on. Well, I was always looking out for Eve <laughs> and he was looking for me. He, uh, and, you know, we, we were undefeated in nine straight weeks. Seven wins, two draws. Our team, um, you know, there was a mix of guys who came and went. But for the most part, you know, we, we were the guys that the team was built around. I was playing left wing back and he was playing kind of central midfield. And we wanted to win every single game. We hated losing. So I hate losing, whether it's pick up at Brewer Park in Ottawa <laughs> on a Saturday morning, uh, you know, playing a bent, uh, against a, a bunch of guys past their prime, but without kids. Yeah, we got something to prove as old 40 guys in there <laughs> with kids. Um. So I hate losing. So don't get me wrong. Losing last night to Cleveland, I'm not happy about. And I'm sure Darko, Pascal, Dennis, and Scotty, and the rest of the boys are not happy about it either. But let's put this loss into perspective, shall we? And, And let's look at how close the game was despite us not playing all that well. Let's look at how we didn't play all that great against Indiana and we still found a way to win. Again, road games. You get a road win against a team who's top 10, you know, playing, playing uh, level or higher. Yeah, that's a good win. So, uh, you know, if you lose to them, okay, you lost to a good team at their place. Fair enough. We'll get them back when they come to our house. But we got to be positive too. We can't just get bulldozed by the negativity. So that's where I'm going to leave it. I know, um, you know, speaking of wins, and I, I'm not going to make too much of this, um, but, I, but I try to finish the pod this way when I remember in the moment. War sucks. Genocide is absolutely shitty. The worst of humanity when there's genocide like there has been in Palestine. When When innocent lives are killed, like there was on October 7th that that's sacred when lives um, you know when when lives are taken sacred beings are, are are being taken away that's that's awful that's the worst of us as as humans but you know what there was a ceasefire the last few days and there's going to be a ceasefire according to the newsletters I'm reading, for another two days. And as much as it pains me to know that the war will probably start again and people who are still in, in Palestine are going to be horribly affected by this, we've, we've got to hold on to the ceasefire. Because maybe the ceasefire gives us hope that this thing is going to end for good. It's shitty. It's absolutely shitty what's happening in Palestine with Jewish and Palestinian people. It's awful what militaries are doing, what global powers are doing. It's shameful what the U.S. has done. It's shameful, it's cowardly what Canada has done. But in the midst of all that, I'm not going to necessarily celebrate Because war is still on the brink still around the corner But, but I've, I've got to be thankful That no lives are being lost today Got to be thankful for that So that's how I'm going to finish the pod Much love to y'all Peace to you wherever you are Peace in Palestine I think I don't, I don't do Or money or fashion. I So my hearts